we try to give investors the best returns we can without exposing them to companies that we believe are hostile to conservative values. This is the Daily Signal podcast for Monday, November 28th. I'm Rob Bluey. And that was Tom Carter, president of Ridgeline Research. At a time when conservatives are fed up with woke corporations and seeking alternatives, Carter is offering an investment option that boycotts more than 30 companies hostile to conservatives. The American Conservative Values ETF was created to help conservatives avoid putting their money in an index fund, a mutual fund, or an exchange-traded fund at odds with their values. We first told you about it two years ago on the Daily Signal podcast. Today, Carter brings us up to speed on the latest developments. And just a reminder for all of our listeners, neither the Heritage Foundation nor the Daily Signal provides investment advice. All of the material in this interview is presented solely as educational information, not as an endorsement of Ridgeline Research or ACVF. We recommend that you seek advice of a financial advisor in connection with all investment matters. There are risks associated with any investment, and past performance is not indicative of future results. Now stay tuned for today's interview, coming up next. Virginia Allen here. I want to tell you all about one of my favorite podcasts. Heritage Explains is a weekly podcast that breaks down all the policy issues we hear about in the news at a 101 level. Hosts Michelle Cordero and Tim Desher mix in news clips and music to tell a story, but also bring in heritage experts to help break down complex issues. Heritage Explains offers quick 10 to 15 minute explainers that bring you up to speed in an entertaining way. You can find them on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We even put the full episode on YouTube. We are joined on the Daily Signal podcast today by Tom Carter. He is president of Ridgeline Research, which provides its customers unique investment opportunities based on shared values and purpose with the goal of making an impact. Tom, welcome to the show. Hey, Rob. Thank you for having me. Uh, appreciate it. Well, our listeners who pay close attention to the Daily Signal podcast will recognize the name Ridgeline Research because we've previously featured you on this podcast, and we're glad to have you back with us today. For our listeners who might not be familiar with your work or may have missed that earlier conversation, can you bring us up to speed on Ridgeline Research and some of the things that you're doing? You, you bet. Um, so, so Ridgeline Research is the investment advisor to the American Conservative Values Exchange Traded Fund, and that ticker symbol is ACVF. And what that particular fund does is we try to give investors the best returns we can without exposing them to companies that we believe are hostile to conservative values. So we exclude companies in our portfolio that may be hostile to conservative values, companies that are on social media like Twitter um, and Facebook or Meta uh, that don't allow conservatives, you know, the, the same exposures as they might uh, the other side, um, companies in the media itself, um, you know, like Comcast, who owns MSNBC, uh, we exclude them as well as the New York Times. So essentially, we're trying to replicate the performance of the S&P 500 as best we can, while excluding companies that we believe hostile to conservative values. Well, thank you for that. We, we appreciate it. You bring uh, decades of experience uh, helping to grow and, and manage complex businesses. You also are a proven uh, ETF and mutual fund executive. Tell us about w ways that 
individual investors can go about engaging with Ridgeline Research and, and take advantage of the opportunities that you're offering them? Well, certainly. Um, you know, the best way to do it is you buy ETFs through a brokerage account and you, you can buy as few as one share or you can invest a, a fairly significant amount of money if you choose uh, by buying ACVF with your broker or if you are self-directed in your brokerage account. You know, that could be a Fidelity account, that could be a Schwab account, uh, whatever you have. And, you know, if you have an S&P 500 fund, um, again, you are exposing yourselves to companies, if you're conservative, that you may not share their beliefs and ideals, or certainly they don't share yours. And so by accessing ACVF, you are investing alongside other conservatives, and you are not exposing your particular hard-earned investment dollars to companies, again, that don't share your values. So we think it's a great opportunity to expose yourself to the broader market, uh, large cap funds, and, uh, and yet not be giving your money to uh, corporate media, to social media, to people that don't share, again, your values. And, and, and I, I will continue to hit that point um, as in the fact that, uh, you know, we think this is a good way uh, to show what you believe in by investing your hard-earned dollars in places that, sh again, share your values. And if I'm not mistaken, yours were the first family of ETFs for ideologically conservative investors. What inspired you and, and the others there to decide to set upon this path and make this available to investors who really do have those values in mind when it comes to their investing? Yeah. So interestingly enough, you know, I've been in the ETF business, as you mentioned earlier, for um, going on 25 to 30 years. And I left the company that I was with where we had a very successful ETF business, took some time off, and my partner reached out to me and he said, look, there are a lot of opportunities uh, to invest in ESG and ESG in our mind being uh, anti-fossil fuels, green energy, things such as that, but there aren't many opportunities for people of the politically conservative side uh, to invest there. And I agreed with him. And there's a couple of ways we looked at doing this fund. We looked at potentially doing a bottom-up research-driven fund where we only selected conservative companies and, um, and tried to build the portfolio that way. What we decided was better is to start with a more S&P 500 type fund, which is large cap, which a lot of people have exposure to, and eliminating companies in that S&P 500 that we felt were hostile to conservative values. And we thought that was a bit more of wallet share. We also thought it was going to give you more predictable performance. And although, you know, uh, large cap stocks have performed poorly over the last year, we all know that um, for a myriad of reasons. Um, but we are still, uh, as of September 30th, our last quarter end, since inception, year to date, and one year outperforming the S&P 500, while not investing in almost 30% of the cap-weighted uh, stocks in the index. So eliminating Google and Amazon and Apple and Meta and those um, haven't hurt our performance. In fact, um, we've, again, performed right in line and actually beaten the S&P 500 since inception. Well, congratulations. That's that's great news, uh, particularly those uh, listeners who are, are looking uh, at, at a variety of different investment options. Again, it's called the American Conservative Values uh, ETF, and uh, we'll be sure to provide a link in the transcript both to the website for Ridgeline Research and, uh, and the fund itself. 
you've now had a couple of years of experience, as you indicated. What are some of the lessons that you've learned? What are some of the changes that you've made uh, to adapt, uh, probably to both consumer demand, but also these changes that we see over the market over that period of time? Sure. Um, interestingly enough, uh, our, our, our changes in the portfolio are, are primarily driven um, by things that happen where companies are involving themselves in the political arena. Um, I'll give you one example. In January of 2021, Georgia passed election laws. And, uh, you know, I, uh, we feel, our opinion is, that they were very reasonable election laws. That being said, several companies in the state of Georgia went to the store, Georgia state legislature and tried to get them to change uh, those laws or repeal those laws. And Coke was one of those companies and Delta was one of those companies. And at that time, we evaluated that and we actually took them out of our portfolio because we felt like they were getting into broader politics, which we don't believe companies should do. So that's an example of, of when we made a proactive uh, change to the portfolio. Something that just actually happened recently, in fact, it just happened in the last couple of weeks, is you know PayPal came out and PayPal was going to find people that they believed were uh, propagating misinformation uh, on Twitter or Facebook or, or other social media. And, uh, and although they've reversed course, we certainly thought that that uh, was an indication of where PayPal exists. And uh, we didn't think that PayPal should be the arbiter of what is good or bad information. And so we boycotted them or, or, or uh, divested in them in our portfolio as well. So we're monitoring things that are happening in the political arena. We're monitoring companies' responses to things that are happening in the political arena. And um, we could add companies that maybe uh, move to the right. And, and we certainly will um, take companies out of the portfolio that we feel are moving to the left or expressing those, uh, expressing those ideas that we think are hostile to conservative values. Now, as you're making those decisions about which companies are hostile to conservative values, are you surveying your shareholders? Uh, what, what type of interaction do you have with the, the investors themselves, uh, perhaps either firsthand experience they've had with companies or other information that they might be passing along to all of you? You bet, Rob. That's a great question. Uh, in, in, in fact, we do survey um, our shareholders, and, and we also survey not only our shareholders, but you know, we have an email list and a list of people that follow our uh, research and follow our material. And we have roughly um, roughly 4,000 folks that we reach out to. I'm not going to tell you it's on an exact quarterly basis, but we try to do it on a quarterly basis. And we, serve the, we survey them about companies that they feel are hostile. And, you know, Facebook or a Meta, you know, I, I keep saying Facebook because that's what the uh, retail name is. But Meta is what it's changed its name to under its um, equity symbol. Um, they have always been the number one uh, company that our investors think are ho uh, is hostile to conservative values. Interestingly enough, our last survey, which was which was done in uh, the summer this year, Disney actually jumped over Meta to become the company that uh, our conservative investors feel are are is most hostile to conservative values, and. Another one that ran up the list significantly was BlackRock. And, you know, BlackRock is doing a lot in the ESG space. Um, they are trying to force people to invest in ESG. And if they don't, uh, BlackRock will, will, will not invest in those companies. Uh, I think you've seen recently in the news states like Louisiana 
and Missouri are moving uh, some of their state treasury dollars out of BlackRock for those reasons. And so interestingly enough, conservative investors have picked up on that. And Disney and, and BlackRock have both become... Uh, have both become negative to politically conservative investors. And I will reiterate, those are two companies that have never been in our portfolio. And, uh, and we happen to agree with our constituents on that. And for our listeners who would like to learn more, you have a list on the ACVF website of the companies that are most hostile to conservative values. I think you have about 31 of them right now, including some that you've just recently updated. You mentioned PayPal. You also have Visa on there. Uh, Netflix was added to the list earlier this year. So for our listeners who do want to, to see the full list, uh, we'll provide a, a link to that. But but share a little bit more about, um, ab- about the companies on the list in and I'm most curious, are there things that they can do to get back in the good graces of conservatives and maybe have you reconsider whether or not they're actually on this hostile list? You bet. Um, I'll give you two examples of companies that were on our hostile list and and, uh, and we have turned them around and put them back in the portfolio. Um, one being Wells Fargo. Uh, you know, Wells Fargo got in some trouble uh, where people were people at the bank were doing some unethical things, opening customer accounts and whatnot. Um, we feel like they've corrected that. Um, we certainly hope they have. There's evidence that they have. And so we put them back into the portfolio. Um, uh, that's one example. Another one, and, and this is an interesting one, AT&T, and a lot of people didn't realize this, AT&T owned CNN um, for quite some time. And recently, AT&T uh, got rid of CNN. They sold them to Discovery. And um, so when AT&T uh, divested in CNN, and uh, of course, you know, most political investors believe that CNN is hostile and uh, we do as well. When AT&T divested in CNN, we brought AT&T back into the portfolio. So as I mentioned, as I mentioned earlier, you know, um, big corporate media is is always in the target of conservatives and conservative investors. And so CNN was certainly not something we wanted to invest in. Uh, I mentioned MSNBC earlier with the Comcast owning them. You know, ABC and Disney are both owned by Disney, and um, and of course Disney has its other problems. So certainly, corporate media is something that uh, that we do not want to invest in, and and we will monitor companies who invest in corporate media and take them out of the portfolio. Well, thank you for for explaining that, and uh, and glad to see that you're reevaluating, and uh, and and there have been some positive developments on that front. I also understand you're getting more involved in shareholder activism. Uh, first of all, explain to our our listeners uh, what that means, and uh, what are some of the steps that you've taken so far to to hold companies accountable through that means. Certainly, so shareholder activism is is, is an interesting process whereby you know if you own a certain amount of a company for a certain amount of time. You can propose things uh, on what they call their proxy, and it's certain things that the that the company and its board can react to, uh, and and there's a shareholder vote actually on those proxies as to whether they will accept your um, accept your request or not. Our um, we have put in a proxy request to our largest holder, Microsoft, and we have asked them to explain their diversity and inclusion program. Uh, a bit more transparency and a bit more financial uh, data on how that is performing and how that is helping the shareholder. For, from our perspective, uh, although we are not against diversity, but we are we are against mandated diversity, right? We are against things that say you have to be diverse and you have to hire somebody 
uh, of a particular color or creed instead of hiring the best person available for that job. We're not sure if Microsoft is doing that, and we would just like some more transparency, not only financial, but also how that is helping the underlying shareholder and how that is bettering Microsoft as a company overall. Um, so we, we have proposed that. We are not sure if we will make it onto their ballot or not, but certainly if we do make it on the ballot, uh, we will announce that and we will, we will talk um, more about what, what we plan to do there. Um, we're certainly looking at other companies that are doing things like that. Um, critical race theory is something that we hear a lot about that companies are engaging in, and, and we don't think that should be happening. Again, companies should be trying to provide the best product or service um, for their customer or consumer, and they should also be trying to increase the value of their shareholder for their shareholders of that company. And we think getting you know outside of your lane when trying to do those two things is not good for business. And so we will challenge companies on the things that they are doing uh, from a political perspective. Well, you said that well, Tom, and I, I certainly personally agree with you on that. But as we've seen, more and more companies are moving in this troubling direction. What are some of the reasons that you attribute to that? And are there certain people who have an agenda or that we should be paying attention to on the left or, or in other uh, areas that uh, are concern for those of us who hold conservative values? You know, it, it's an interesting question, Rob, and, 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 and we debated internally as well. Um, and, and we think it's a reaction to a very small percentage of Americans uh, that seem to be the loudest on the left. And, and we think most, um, what I'm going to call normal Americans, and, and that's not saying that those people on the left aren't normal, but, but we think most middle America people believe that companies should just do their job and not get into these um, critical race theories and things like that, but that companies are reacting to a very loud minority um, and, and no one wants to get canceled. And, and the cancel culture has crept into the boardroom and I think into the C-suites as well, um, where, you know, nobody wants to be called out for, for the things that they're doing. And, and, and so they move too far left in our mind and they get involved in, in, in things because they're afraid to be called out. And uh, I, I think CEOs are going to realize that that's a mistake in the long run and that, uh, you know, middle America and, 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 and normal people just want companies to do their job, and they just want them to stay out of politics. I hope we can get back to that point as well. Uh, along those same lines, though, uh, you mentioned this earlier, there is something known as ESG, Environmental Social Governance. Uh, it's an agenda that advances issues and ideas that, that are, again, uh, opposed to many of the conservative values that, that we believe in. Uh, tell our listeners about ESG and and how it factors into some of your decision making uh, there at Ridgeline Research. Certainly, yeah. So ESG and, and and like I said, you know, when we developed this fund, it was basically and I don't want to call it an anti ESG fund, but it was more of a pro conservative uh, fund because ESG was you know anti fossil fuels, and we certainly are not. Um, do we believe in clean energy? We do. Do we believe that we have enough clean energy to, to um, run our country right now? We do not. And, and, and so, you know, the administration's attack on fossil fuels, we don't like. Um, BlackRock's attack on fossil fuels, we don't like. We think America needs to be energy independent. And um, we think these ESG policies uh, hurt America being energy independent. And, and it adds to inflation, frankly. Right. If you're shutting down uh, the supply side of anything, it's going and the demand stays where it is. It's going to make that product more expensive. And, and, and so the shutdown of, of fossil fuels, 
the shutdown of exporting fossil fuels, the shutdown of pipelines coming in from Canada into our country and not giving us the ability to, um, to use some of that energy that is being created in Canada. All those things add uh, to us not having energy independence. They add to inflation. They add to our reliance on foreign governments that we don't necessarily get along with. I mean, it, it, it's, there's a lot of negative impacts. And ESG is, is a start of all this because there's so much money going into green energy and renewable energy. And again, we're not against that. Um, but what we are against is forcing people to do that even when we're not creating enough energy to run our country. And, and, and we think, you know, in the long run, some of these green energy things certainly will work and economically they should. But the, but the market should decide where that's coming from, not the government, not BlackRock. Money should flow to where things are working. Money should flow to where things can make money. And there shouldn't be government subsidies and there shouldn't be companies that are forcing people, um, forcing ESG or clean energy on people like is happening now. So um, we are against that. And, um, and, and, and so we, we exclude BlackRock from our portfolio for that reason. And uh, certainly we invest in uh, the energy, energy markets. Are you encouraged that some state treasurers are taking action by excluding some of these companies like BlackRock from state pension funds or, or other uh, investments that they have control over? Uh, of course. You know, I mean, and, we're, and we're encouraged that there's been, frankly, other entrants into this conservative investing um, landscape as well. I, I think you know, a rising tide lifts boats, and I think making, making people aware that um, – there are companies that are using your dollars to go out and make sure that their political views are being expressed. I don't, I don't think you want to do that. And, you know, Louisiana said, look, BlackRock's trying to shut down uh, fossil fuels. And Louisiana is very dependent in, in its economy on fossil fuels. So it makes a lot of sense that they're saying, look, you're trying to shut down something that is important to us. And you're using our money to do that. And that's, that, that's, that's not good for the state of Louisiana. So we're going to pull our money from you. Um, and, and I think others are going to realize that. And I, and I think the information getting to people is very important that those types of things are going on in, in corporate boardrooms. Tom, a couple more questions for you. Inflation continues to dominate the headlines. It's a persistent problem for the Biden administration. Many of their policies, I think, are directly attributable to what we're seeing uh, as a consequence. But how has inflation uh, affected not only the markets, but, but the future in terms of how people think about investing? Well, well, well certainly infl inflation is uh, a big problem. And anybody with any basic understanding of economics understands that you can't just produce and create more and more dollars and put them into the marketplace and that it's not going to devalue the dollar and, and make things more expensive. Um, like I said, it's basic economics. The fear is, you know, that inflation runs through consumers. Consumers buy less. It, it, it hurts the overall economy. Um, you know, we've seen what's hap happened in the housing market. It has slowed down because of interest rate increases by the Fed to slow inflation. So that impacts the overall economy. Now we're talking about recession. Um when recessions happen, companies don't hire as much. They don't buy as many goods. Uh, the whole economy slows down. So inflation is, is a, and, and, and you know, a, a small amount of inflation is normal, and we all understand that. But significant inflation, which we all predicted would come in, is going to hurt the overall economy. It's going to hurt corporate earnings in the long run. 
And uh, so we, we, we see it. Inflate, inflation is bad. We hope that the market's built in um, some of the recession already. And, and I'm not predicting that uh, we're at our lows, but I'm hoping that it's built in and predicting that, you know, maybe after the next quarter, we'll see, um, we'll see some increase in some markets again. But I think it's going to be bumpy for a while. And certainly inflation has something to do with that. Tom, thanks so much for spending time with us today. I, I hope our listeners are inspired to learn more and, and seek out uh, more information on your website about, uh, about the fund. Tell us how they can take that first step to get involved, whether they want to invest um, or, or even just learn more about these companies that are hostile to conservative values. Sure. You can go to investconservative.com and, uh, and pull up all of our information. We have our fact sheet on there, which will let you know what companies we exclude from the portfolio and, and tell you a little bit more about the statistical information of the fund. It's got performance on there as well. Um, or you can talk to your broker uh, if, you, if you have one and ask them about ACVF and let them do some research for you. And if you're a self-directed person, um, you know, all the information about the fund is, is on Schwab, it's on Fidelity, it's on TD Ameritrade and, and, and all those that uh, most people use. So, um, and, and, and by the way, um, we're always open to talking and having conversations with shareholders. Reach out to us directly and, and, and we'd love to let you know what we're doing. Well, again, for our listeners, we'll be sure to provide links for more information in the transcript of this interview. Tom, thanks so much again for your creative ideas, uh, for, for walking us through some of these complex issues that, that certainly we're, we're dealing with as conservatives and trying to grasp and understand how, how corporations have moved in this direction. And, and, and I appreciate that you're holding them accountable and giving us an alternative for our investments. Rob, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. And uh, hopefully we will speak again. And that'll do it for today's episode. Thank you for listening to the Daily Signal podcast. If you haven't had a chance, be sure to check out our evening show right here in this podcast feed, where we bring you the top news of the day. Also, make sure you subscribe to the Daily Signal wherever you get your podcasts. And help us reach more listeners by leaving a five-star rating and review. We read all of your feedback. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day. We'll be back with you all for our 5 p.m. Top News Edition. The Daily Signal podcast is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. Executive producers are Rob Bluey and Kate Trinko. Producers are Virginia Allen, Samantha Asheris, and Jillian Richards. Sound design by Lauren Evans, Mark Guiney, and John Pop. To learn more, please visit DailySignal.com.